Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel. Writer Jessica Knoll recently published an op-ed in the New York Times titled, Smash the Wellness Industry. And in that piece, she suggests that our pursuit of wellness, or what we call wellness anyway, is actually undermining both our health and our happiness, especially that of women. I'd like to share a few reflections on this article, but first, I want to take a moment to answer a question that came in on the Nutrition Diva listener line. Hi, Monica. I was wondering if you could please let me know if there's any difference between fresh fish and canned fish. What are the nutritional differences? Is there any pros and cons to canned fish? And fresh fish, for example, canned salmon versus fresh salmon. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day. Canning involves subjecting food to heat and pressure in order, of course, to extend its shelf life. Now, any form of processing can affect the nutritional value of foods, but the primary nutrients that we most value in fish Things like protein, omega-3 fatty acids, selenium, and so on, are pretty heat-stable, so we wouldn't expect any major losses there. Canned fish is certainly cheaper, and there's virtually no risk of spoilage or bacterial contamination. On the other hand, canned fish are likely to be higher in sodium. And of course, the canning also affects the flavor and the texture of the fish, but those are really matters of personal preference. One surprising advantage of canned salmon is that it is much higher in calcium than fresh salmon, perhaps because the part of the fish that they process for canning is closer to the tail and has lots of tiny little bones. Now, these are too small and soft for you to notice, but they do add a significant amount of calcium. But at the end of the day, both fresh and canned fish are a great source of healthy protein. And thanks so much for that question. If you have a nutrition question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, you can call me at 443-961-6206 and leave me a message. In her recent New York Times op-ed, novelist Jessica Knoll recounts her recovery from what she describes as a poisonous relationship between a body I was indoctrinated to hate and food I had been taught to fear. Like many successful young women, Noel got sucked into a toxic culture of extreme dietary restriction, excessive exercise, and various other rituals of purification and penance, all packaged in the guise of wellness. Now, as I'm sure you've noticed, dieting has become something of a dirty word lately, and rightfully so. It clearly doesn't work. But the most toxic aspects of that dieting culture— The pursuit of an unrealistic body ideal at the expense of your physical comfort and emotional well-being, these haven't gone away. According to Noel, dieting has simply been rebranded as wellness, and then under the cover of this benign new label, it's continuing to perpetuate the same fraud. We now have a generation of wellness influencers selling detoxes, cleanses, and elimination diets as a way of looking and feeling your best. In her pursuit of wellness, or more accurately, thinness, Noel found herself alternating between bouts of quote-unquote clean eating and violent binging. That's not wellness. That's not looking or feeling your best. 
Now, Jessica Noll makes some really important points in her article, but there are a couple of things that I'd like to respond to. And one is the idea that men are largely immune from this unwholesome influence. She describes at the top of her article having lunch with some highly accomplished and successful women who spent the first part of their meeting bashing their bodies and comparing their respective diet rules. And Noel fantasizes that the men at the next table were unburdened by these concerns, digging into their food and engaged in more interesting or at least less self-loathing conversations. However, I think she may underestimate the number of men who are similarly consumed by the pursuit of an unrealistic body image. It looks a little different, but the pseudo-wellness culture has gone after men just as hard. He may be chugging protein shakes instead of celery juice, popping testosterone boosters instead of fat-burning supplements, and obsessing over whether his calves are too thin instead of whether his thighs are too fat, but he has fallen into this same trap. Secondly, Noel points out that the wellness industry attracts a lot of women who don't actually need to lose weight in order to be healthy. What they really need to lose is their disordered body image and fear of food. And thankfully, it sounds like Noel is well on her way. But let's not forget that the majority of American adults are not at a healthy weight, and they are just as susceptible to these false promises of the pseudo-wellness industry and just as poorly served by the extreme and unwholesome regimens that promise to deliver fast weight loss. And finally, Noel says that she'll probably never love her body. I think what she really means is that she'll never love the way her body looks, and I do think that that's an important difference, but my advice to her is never say never, as she continues to get even more distance from the toxic culture that she's describing in her article, she may find that her idea of what a lovable body looks like continues to evolve. I'm glad Noel wrote this piece. Unhealthy influences cloaked in the garb of wellness deserve to be called out for what they are. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. There is also an authentic wellness movement that is gaining traction, one that offers a more balanced and realistic view of what health and wellness look like. Despite the overlap in terminology, it's not too hard to distinguish them. Steer clear of regimens that are restrictive, extreme, isolating, difficult, or dogmatic, and look instead for approaches that are flexible, inclusive, and sustainable. Your goal is not to have a perfect life, perfect body, or even a perfect diet. As my friend Dr. Yoni Friedhoff likes to say, your goal should be to live the healthiest life that you can enjoy living. And to that end, I believe that your ideal weight is much more than a number on the scale or on a BMI chart. Yes, of course you want to be healthy, but you also want to feel happy with the way your body looks, feels, and functions. And equally important, you need to feel comfortable and content in the lifestyle that it takes to sustain that body. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your experiences on this topic. You can find me on Facebook at Nutrition Diva. The Nutrition Diva Show is edited by Karen Hertzberg, produced by Nathan Sems, and supported by our wonderful team at Macmillan Podcasts, and that includes Kathy Doyle, Michelle Margulis, Emily Miller, and Morgan Ratner. You'll find a transcript of today's show, along with our entire archive of Nutrition Diva podcasts at quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.